and uh, as usual, you've got your host, myself, Tim, and you've got Lachlan. G'day. And Ruben. G'day. 2022 is upon us. <laughs> it is, and I am using my Mad Cup to have a beer during 2022. Not just any beer. That's the Christmas mug. Yeah. Shoffer Hoffer. Very nice. Very nice. So, so Ruben and I both got uh, same sort of mug um, for Christmas, which is something our wives teed up. So it's a big uh, for those listening who can't see. Um, imagine a big timber-looking mug with a stainless steel inside that holds about three quarters of a litre, and it looks like it's out of a World of Warcraft movie. Um, <laughs> it's a really mad mug, so. That's cool. Awesome. <laughs> what beer have you got in your one, Ruben? Uh, Heineken. Nice. And Lachlan, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm back on the uh, the, the GMT, so um, I'm actually uh, for some of your Mudgy Gin that you gave us. So um, back on that one, which is good. I was going to break out a a new rum, which uh, I bought a cheap ass mixer with, and it. Tastes terrible with the cheap ass mixer, so I'm gonna go back and <laughs> give it justice and, uh, and buy a proper mixer and uh, reevaluate next time. <laughs> you were before the show, we were laughing at Lachlan because you go out and spend all this money on a nice spirit and then you cheap out on the mixer. You save yeah. yourself a dollar twenty. <laughs> ridiculous, totally ridiculous. Yeah. You put ice in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well okay well um the book it seemed like a distant memory a couple of weeks ago so i picked it up and reread um the first half of chapter 10 that we're working through tonight and even after doing that i still had to watch a little summary video <laughs> online just to remind my brain what was going on cheetah um well, look, a lot happened, as you know. Uh, my daughter broke her ankle while we were away on holidays camping. Mm. And that resulted in surgery, and so that was very distracting. Um, I bought a boat, which was uh, pretty awesome. Boat. Yep, yep. Um, do you want to hear the joke that people keep saying to me about buying the boat? Are you going to buy a jeep? No, it's... Uh, Buying a boat is one of the two best days of your life. The other best you day should. is selling it. <laughs> Heard that many a time. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I've, I've, I've got a British car, and it's 68 years old, and uh, I've still got that. So, and I'm quite happy with it. How much harder can a boat be, right? Surely. Well, it hasn't been built by British Leyland. So that's a start. That's a good start. Um, engine's a Yamaha, so it should have some Japanese reliability. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be good to drag the kids around and go fishing and is, all that sort of stuff. Is, is the engine in your boat? How much bigger is it than the engine in your um in your car, the yellow one? Well, see, this is a. It's not that simple. So in theory. <laughs> In theory, my Austin has 30 horses because it's called an A30. This motor is 25 horsepower, but 
and is a big butt. That's a Japanese less than 10 year old 25 horsepower versus an English calculated 68 30 uh, 68 year old 30 horsepower so <laughs> i'm saying that the japanese motor more than likely has a lot more power <laughs> what, what the team is uh, engine swap the engine from the boats going in the car <laughs> <laughs> not a bad idea <laughs> not a bad idea at all um how about you guys did you do anything interesting over the christmas break um, I know the whole family got COVID. That was fun. Um, mm. <laughs> no, nothing, uh, nothing too drastic from it. Um, pretty much everybody got it, but um, most of us had pretty mild, you know, mild sort of symptoms. My son was uh, had a, a pretty high temperature for about forty eight hours, and then he was sort of okay. My wife was cooked for about two or three days but not terrible terrible um we're a bit worried about my mother-in-law just because she hasn't got a great immune system um but uh she just had her third vax two weeks before catching covid so she's about as good a position as you could be in to to get it for her age and health and likewise yeah yeah for all that sort of stuff so uh so it wasn't too bad. But I must say, like, some weird sort of lingering symptoms sort of still going on. So uh, just had like sort of fatigue pretty pretty bad for several weeks sort of following. And uh, I think I mentioned this to you guys on the chat, but uh, I've been getting really weird motion sickness playing video games. And, uh, yeah, you were saying that. Yeah, I'm Do you still getting it. Did that, did that kick in after the COVID? Yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on, but uh, I've never had problems with that sort of thing. And it's not just one game. I did turn off that motion blur setting, which you guys all, all called me a noob for leaving on. I leave it on. I leave yeah. it on. I like motion blur. There you go. There you go. That helped a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's something weird. But even today, we're at the, we went to the beach. And we're just like uh, floating about on the water and uh within 30 minutes i was starting to feel motion sick um like floating on some like barely moving water um so yeah i don't know what's going on that's it's a bit weird but uh well there's another symptom too which is you're starting to find sobs desirable <laughs> <laughs> we did yeah he did link a sob I, I was kind of like baiting you a little bit, Tim, because I know you. I know you hate them. <laughs> I don't actually hate them. My Your dad hates them, it, right? <laughs> and I know if I buy one, I'm out of the will. Like inheritance yeah. gone. <laughs> That's just a forbidden fruit. I can't go there. <laughs> sure, sure. Wow, I bet you there's a story behind that. Yeah, he's an auto electrician, and as much as he hates my fetish with English cars and. Lucas Electrics, they don't hold a light to subs. He, he hates he, subs. He reckons they're the worst, huh? <laughs> he, he refused to work on them when he was in his last auto electrician job and told his boss that he would quit before he worked on one. <laughs> so, just not, not going there. So, well, so I've just noticed, like, when you're wearing a Mighty Car Mod shirt, 
I am. I am indeed. Got my the, chopped uh, fingers up. Chops logo. Japanese. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Do love the almighty car mods. They're good folks. Yeah, they're good fun. Have you seen any of their stuff, Ruben? No, I don't think so. Yeah, have a look at them. They're Sydney guys. They, they've yeah. got a massive cult following and they're really, really good at what they do. <laughs> I'll still check it out. Been on YouTube for about 15 years, so... Yeah. Long, long time. <laughs> How about you, Ruben? Anything interesting over Chrissy? No, Chrissy was really good. Had a week or two off here and just had last week off. Um, yeah, no, it was really good. Nice. Nothing, well, nothing uh, super exciting happened. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's open the book. Blow the you know, we do a recap, but I, 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 I don't remember what happened last. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, you know uh, you're not wrong. Yeah, I think they were uh, trying to sort of sum up right at the end of book nine. Um, you know some of those reasons you know they were looking for that um, I suppose like the facts around why the just way of living is a better way of living and um, I don't know I, they, they went over sort of like basically sort of like re rehashed a whole bunch of stuff that they'd sort of been through before but if you remember there was a whole uh, there was a, a a fact about like the um, how many times happier someone um, God terrible i can't remember the name of it um someone in that um ba, 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 ba. oh jim so oh yeah there's some mathematical equation the mathematical number... mind versus somebody who's of uh, um yeah that's it sorry uh, aristocratic mind and he, and he put a number on it 77 or something ridiculous <laughs> yeah 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 so um yeah that's right it was a uh, um if you're coming from like a um aristocracy you know versus the the, the tyranny um and uh yeah so so they were just trying to i guess make the case that you're going to be sort of better off in a in a just society in a better sort of society and uh, mm. um that's really where they kind of wrapped it all up um so it kind of felt like as you're going into into book 10 that we're, they were going to kind of like pivot off that and really sort of hammer home uh, what is justice and why is justice better? But <laughs> there's detour a detour again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we move on to the detour, uh, I know you were listening to it, Ruben. I don't know if you've had a listen, Lachlan, but there was the Joe Rogan interviewing Jordan Peterson episode last week. And right towards the end of that four hour and 15 minute marathon, it, finally, it got good towards the end. Yeah. yeah. I'm like sitting in my car, like, talking to the show going freaking read the republic because <laughs> they were talking about <laughs> do you know the part we got written where they're talking about the um the tyrant and and yeah and yeah peterson was arguing with rogan about how like the tyrant that's right peterson's saying yeah they're not successful and, and, and rogan's well, well they kind of are successful He's like, they and are Peterson successful. They've like, got everything they want. And he's like, no, they haven't. And it depends I'm on like, what you mean by successful. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, read this book. Read this book. It's yeah. right there, Rogan. Yeah. It's right there. <laughs> well, yeah, that was good fun. Yeah, no, I, I thought the yeah, same right. thing. Mm. So, um, tables. 
Coffee yeah. tables. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. The first half of the, the last chapter is about uh, the question of what is art? Mm. Um, you know. And, and I, I, it, this may, the main thrust of this section is this Socrates having a go at the poets again, which I always like. <laughs> and it, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's... Uh... It's like he just thought he'd take a moment, I think, because they were like sort of patting themselves on the back for the conclusions they got at the end of chapter nine. It's like, mm, we've kind of proved that, you know, you're, you're better off in a just society. And uh, so now I'm just going to go back and bask in the glory of some other work that we did that I was pretty proud of. And that was uh, Smashing Poets. So, uh, <laughs> Before we go, I just want to make sure everyone understands that you shouldn't listen to poets. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's kind of how 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 it goes. All painters. <laughs> yeah, well, he's yeah, well, yeah. incorporating the lot, really, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so let's it, let's it lay funny. out what he says, and then we can talk about why we agree or disagree. Sure. Well, he he starts off by sort of dancing around it a little bit because he's pointing out the fact that he loves the uh, tragedians like um, Homer. And that he's yep. basically a big, a big fan, but um, sort of more or less sort of says that um, you know he's a bigger. Whilst he's a big fan of Homer, he's a bigger fan of the truth. So he's going to have to speak his mind and uh, diss the poets. Um, <laughs> so I, I, um, early on, I like how he says um, he says such represents such representations definitely harm the mind of their audience unless they're inoculated against them by knowing their true nature so basically they're like you're basically saying well yeah their work is good but you know if you're not inoculated against knowing what these pretenders really are they're gonna it's gonna be harmful for you yeah and, and so i guess he's just pointing at the fact straight up that they're not in the business of necessarily providing truth perhaps just entertainment <laughs> and it, you know if you if you don't know the difference between the two then you could be in trouble true um yeah. but he sort of goes about trying to explain what all art is um and he basically says that it's representation it's just a re representation of another thing which kind of just sounds a bit obvious in some ways Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I guess, like, he, again, like, he's a big fan of doing things by threes. So he kind of, like, breaks down that, that representation a little bit to categorize things. So um, he's saying, of any particular thing, there's three creators. And he starts out by sort of saying, well, the ultimate creator is God, because God creates everything um, in the natural world. Um, and I guess, well, sorry, he, he's, he's doing this on the basis around talking about a bed, isn't he? Um, and using we could a, use we could use cups because I have some. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so you could say, in my hands right now, I have a glass stein and a timber stein. Yeah. And both of them are a stein, but they are both different from each other. So his point is, God had the original idea of a stein, of, of yes. the idea of stein. And then people make variants of Stein, who are the people that make the cups. Yeah. And then there's the artists who would paint the cup 
Yeah, so or describe it tiers, in a poem or yeah, make a sculpture. Yeah, so the two tiers removed from the original idea. Sure. Yeah. And, and his, his whole point is basically that because the artist is that third tier down, they're representing something that they don't really understand because they didn't make it, that, they, yeah. that they've got, what would you say, um, limited credibility. Yeah. Hmm. Which is hmm. why, and I think, it, I, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense from the purpose of an object, but once he moves it into, like, courage, that's kind of where it makes a lot more sense. I, I, oh, I tell you where. I thought of it the opposite. Oh, did so you? I, my, my immediate impression was it makes sense when you're talking about physical objects, but I thought his argument fell apart when you start talking about virtues. Oh, there's no way I thought you would have thought that. So you know how you hate George R. R. Martin because he's a um, conscription dodger? <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a gross misrepresentation of why I hate him. <laughs> right? So, because he's... Well, I know you don't rate him, right? But you rate no, Tolkien. No, no. Tolkien can write Correct. about war and courage because he went through it. He went through it. George R. R. Martin can't. So hmm. that's why it made sense. Like, the penny dropped for me when I read that part. I'm like, ah... Ruben's argument of why he hates George R. R. Martin <laughs> actually makes this make sense for me. I don't I well, hate's yeah. a strong word. I just I just don't find him credible. Well there you go. No, I don't think Socrates would either. <laughs> he wouldn't, because that's exactly the kind of slander he's throwing at Homer and saying, mm. Well, Homer, have you ever been a tactician in war? You write about it a lot, but have you ever actually done it? Um, yeah, he's like, he's, if, if you were really good at it, then that's what you'd be doing. But you're not. You're writing poems. Yeah. 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 So he's sort of implying that he's like captured the, the topics and the imaginations uh, about this stuff. But the truth has been removed in that process because he's not actually done the thing. So basically he's saying that anyone who writes about something that they've not actually done before is an imitator. Um, mm. And so, you know, they, they're just not a credible source of truth. There you go. So, I think that sums up almost everything in this first half of the book. What, what do you think? Because it's a pretty straightforward idea. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's roughly where he's at with it, yeah. I guess if you wanted to summarise it, he's like, like you said, he's like, there's the idea of the thing and that's in God's mind. So, the idea of a chair or a bed or a cup. And then you have the person who can make... A, chair, a, bed, a, a bed chair or a cup and then you've got the artist who will represent it in some other way so mm. um, and he, he more or less says well the person who makes the thing is going to have a better understanding of it but then he also goes on to say that the person who uses the thing has the greatest understanding of the thing and that's why mm. he, he uses the example of flutes where if a flute might go to a flute maker and go can you do this or that to make it better for me to use um, but essentially the artist that represents those things has the lowest level of knowledge. So where I think... Sorry, go look Where I think, as I was saying earlier, where I think that makes sense for physical objects but makes less sense for abstract objects is because um, I think it's fair to say, yeah, all right, an artist who may be able to paint a cup may not really know the best way to manufacture one may not be the best 
aspects of a cup. I think that's different when it comes to human experience. And one of the main things that um, artists do is discuss and represent um, human experience and the human condition. And then being humans, they would have experienced those things. So while they may not be able to tell you how to be a general, um, they would at least have some understanding of what it's like to exercise courage. Um, so I think for me, that's where I kind of look at it and go, well, maybe if someone hasn't directly experienced that particular thing, they would have some idea of what those things are. You, you, you're probably right, but I guess it just depends on what their intention would be as well. I like, if you think about this in a, well, I was going to say a modern context, but I, maybe it's modern's not the right word, but let's say a, a real context. Um, I, I'd ask you the question, you know, what does Jesus look like? So art has provided us with an image of a mostly white man with blue eyes, beard and long flowing hair that a dude in a metal band would be stoked to have <laughs> when historians indicate that he probably looked nothing like that at all. Um, yeah. And apparently that image of, of how most people think of Jesus comes from some artwork in 400 AD depicting Jesus symbolically, but not actually trying to physically represent him with the truth of his physicality. Right. Um, and I suppose that's just kind of demonstrating maybe Socrates' point of view that art doesn't necessarily represent the truth of the, of the thing. And if you're not aware of that, then it can sort of divert you from the truth. I don't know. What do you reckon? <laughs> um, I get his argument, but I think he's wrong. And the reason I think he's wrong is he uses abstract ideas or examples that aren't real to prove his point every single time, just about. Um, like this whole republic this pretend city he's made up is it's all once upon a time it, you know it's we've got to create this creation story somehow and make people not remember life before it and then have these tears and and it's all like the way that he gets to any of the answers for the question of what is justice it it's all through a similar process that tolkien would take with writing the Lord of the Rings and trying to demonstrate, you know, principles of morality and, and courage. And that's right. In the Lord of the Rings, he's got the character of Boromir who gives into temptation and then tries to seek redemption. Well, nobody's going to sit there and go, well, you know, Tolkien, if you have, you actually done those things. And if you haven't, you can't write about it. <laughs> True. Yeah. So I think, but I think I, he, agree. I think he's got a blind spot to you. his own strat to his own technique. Yeah, I don't think he realizes that what he's doing is essentially the same process. It's just less. But creative. would he argue back against that saying what he's describing? Because you know how he's talking about his different levels of truth, and he's talking about forms being the highest level of of that of truth. He he talks about there being. A system you know when he's talking about the dialectic and leaving the cave and staring into the sun and he's saying so there is a way to access that truth and that's through philosophy so i 
I'm guessing, um, and it might be uncharacteristically arrogant of him, but I'm guessing he would say, yeah, but I'm a philosopher and I've got these systems and that's how I access truth. So when I'm talking about it, I'm not talking out of my ass. Which is a little yeah, hard so to then, swallow because that's just like, then, well, yeah, they're not experts, but I am. So listen to me. <laughs> but but then could you not say that? Therefore, he he would say he would agree that actually. So then he would agree that Tolkien has authority to speak on the horrors of war and courage, and Martin mm. does not. He yeah. probably would. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I tend to agree with him, but I don't. That's more or less because I don't like George R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think he's sort of saying is maybe like that that art is okay as long as that it is representing the real and the true, yeah. rather than um, saying all art and poetry is garbage. Art and poetry is fine as long as it's true. <laughs> Do you think he would object to someone making songs? From the book, do you think you um, approve of his of this conversation? Like, I know it's a Plato's writing. Do you think you would approve of this? Someone turning it into a song? Yeah, why not? I I, I think he wouldn't because he'd say well, you've changed my words to make them rhyme, <laughs> and then it loses <laughs> it loses the meaning. <laughs> well, you. All you well, do is he, give it to someone like Eminem or Snoop who just that. makes he words talks... fit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, well, he does kind of address that because he, he, there's a section, I don't know whether I can find it, where he's talking about um, music and also poetry. And he's saying that the, the music kind of elicits feelings, but if you take the words they're saying and take the music out of it, they sort of lose their impact. Um, and I think that you could say that's particularly true with today's music. Like if you, if you, if you take any number of uh, modern music, any of the music and just, just read the words deadpan without the beat or the rhythm behind it. It's just nonsense. Like it's rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, th- I think I think he also touches on that a bit too when he starts talking about the motives. He's like, oh, ultimately, if you're making art, you're going to make it so it appeals to people. Um, so they're going to be making what appeals to people and not making something that illustrates the truth. Yeah. I mean, I, I found this... Uh really interesting and this he was leading to this from he was really starting to talk about i think stoicism um as much as anything yeah. i think he used an example around grief and saying how um you know the the, the right and reasonable way your mind would would rationalize and deal with grief um would be quite practical like so you would you know work through it and look for solutions and things like that right uh, yeah. And the irrational part of your uh, your mind or your wild side or whatever it is would allow you to wallow and carry on and, and do all this sort of thing. And I think he, that was the rebellious principle, I think he was calling it. And uh, I think he was basically pointing out that 
anyone who's providing this stuff as entertainment doesn't want to watch a stoic because it's boring. Um, <laughs> they, really, they just want sensationalized um, stuff. So it makes more sense to uh, focus on the kind of stuff. Um, the extremes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a hundred percent accurate and you see it in TV today. I mean, how much stuff is there that's centering around debauchery and poor behavior in reality TV that super popular, right? Um, <laughs> because it's sensational and, uh, you know, you're really going to tune in to watch the, the boring life of sensible such and such with their family of well-behaved children going through, <laughs> you know, I don't know, <laughs> dealing with things in a rational, calm manner. I mean, it wouldn't make for good viewing, would it? Well, who's no. a stoic superhero? I mean, at, th that? at first I thought, who's a stoic superhero? At first I thought Batman's like stoic, and then I'm like, oh no, he's not stoic. He's he's like full of rage. <laughs> <laughs> I know who's stoic. It's Thanos, mate. <laughs> yeah, he might be right. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's um, I good. found I found the quote about the uh, the thing. So great is the natural magic of music and poetry. Strip it of its poetic colouring, reduce it to plain prose, and I think you know how little it amounts to. <laughs> it's like take, yeah, <laughs> take away all the fancy bit, and it's it's just empty. All style, no substance. Yeah. Um. I. I, th and I think that's true a lot of the time, particularly, like you said, Lachlan, if they're making it for the sake of entertainment and popularity. But I don't, th and I don't, I don't even know whether Socrates would say it doesn't, but I don't think that applies to all art and all artists because you, you would find some artists who are just trying to convey truth or, or, or just essentially just being too brutally honest. And you probably find that sometimes that is popular. But you probably also find a lot of time that it's like you say, it's just not. Maybe they just don't make it. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I don't know. I guess um, you, there still can be truth in tragedy, right? Yeah. Um, because there are real tragic circumstances that happen in the world all the time. Um, so, um, yeah, I think you're right. It, I, I, I don't think you can paint everything with that brush. Pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think he's just trying to, you know, as usual, sort of angle towards uh, what is true is okay, and um, everything else just doesn't fit the, the sort of society that they idealize. Oh yeah, yeah, he does come back to that. Yeah. We seem to be pretty well agreed that the artist knows little or nothing about the subject he represents and that the art of representation is something that has no serious value and this applies above all to tragic poets, epics and dramatic. <laughs> well, I think he's right. I mean, if you watch Days of Our Lives, that doesn't feel very real. Yeah. Uh, true, true. Like that sort of week show is pretty ordinary, but yeah, I, I still think I still think overall, not wanting to have art is a mistake. I I agree, uh, 
but I understand the angle he's coming from. But as you said, Tim, you know, it's this process of refinement that he goes through artificially to sort of arrive at these things. But um, yeah, because I mean, he, he admits himself he loves it, right? Yeah. But he, but he thinks in their utopian society they shouldn't have it. But he loves it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like he would have a private collection or the uh, restricted access library section like in harry potter <laughs> and that that would have some in there yeah yeah there's another uh little quote in there too um uh, and does not the latter i mean the rebellious principle furnish a great variety of materials for imitation whereas the wise and calm temperate being always nearly um equable is not easy to imitate or appreciate when imitated especially at a public festival where a promiscuous crowd is assembled in a theatre, for the feeling represented is one to which they are strangers. <laughs> I think he sort of nailed that pretty well, but you know, you you can't cast everything in with that uh, in in with that lot. It's just uh, a gross generalisation, but you you can see where he's coming from, though. I suppose. Well, I. I watched over the break. I watched um, the most recent version of Macbeth, the one with um, Denzel Washington, which is really good, by oh, the way. Yeah. He's so good in that. I've um, heard it was awesome. Yeah, um, I have to go back and watch the other one. There's another famous dude one did a couple of years back. I don't really remember it. Anyway, it's a good. It's a good adaptation. But in in that my understanding of it is is essentially putting these characters in um in a moral framework and what goes wrong is in part because they're not complying with that framework so you know what i mean they, they decide to kill the king to take the power and then to some extent there one becomes a monster and his wife who talks him into it gets eaten by guilt and ends up killing herself. Um, mm. But what you've got, what you've got there is kind of like a framework. Um, and I guess you could debate whether that framework is true or not, but if it is true, then you can look at what happens to the characters and you could say that that represents the truth. Um, if that makes any sense. So it's not, I don't think it's as simple as just like, um, you know, is he describing grief correctly or is he describing it in a way that, um, you know, is beneficial to people? But because I, I think there's, in a sense, these different ideas relate to each other. Um, and they do in a way which is universal. So if an artist taps into that framework and they're right about that framework, then they could write any number of works that would convey truth. Um, that's probably all a little bit mm. abstract, but I th that's probably where I disagree with Socrates. Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, he, he does actually sort of cross himself up a little bit um, because whilst he's sort of angling on truth, when he sort of comes to the wrap up with what they're talking about here, it's not so much about truth, but more about conditioning and behavior, uh, behavior amongst a population. And it's 
Yeah. I think it's not as much maybe about truth, but as setting a, an example of form that people should aspire to and not allowing people to normalize what he considers to be bad behavior in a society. Yeah, it could almost be interpreted as him saying, you know, I don't want people influencing in a way that I don't agree with. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, there, there's one sort of uh, final sort of uh, excerpt that I grabbed, so I'll read that one out. All right, welcome back. Sorry, guys, we had a technical difficulty where the software crashed. We're back. So uh, where were you up to there, Lachlan? Uh, yeah, so I just had a, a quote to sort of um, wrap this part up. Um, so I'll read it now. Uh, and now we may fairly take him and place him by the side of the painter, for he is like him in two ways. First, inasmuch as his creations have an inferior degree of truth in this, I say he is like him. And he is also like him in being concerned with an inferior part of the soul, and therefore shall be right in refusing to admit him to a well-ordered state, because he awakens and nourishes and strengthens the feelings and impairs the reason. As in a city, when the evil are permitted to have authority and the good are put out of the way, so in the soul of a man, as we maintain, the imitative poet implants an evil constitution, for he indulges the irrational nature which has no discernment of greater and less, but thinks the same thing at one time great and another small, he is a manufacturer of image and is very far removed from the truth. There's a pretty scolding wrap up there. Yeah, I think he's spot on, particularly the bit about appealing to people's emotions rather than their sense of reason. Mm. That's definitely what a lot of art does. Yeah, I mean, it's it's designed to, to tap in and make you feel something. That's exactly what art's about. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess that sort of possibly could go against the grain of what they're trying to achieve, depending on what that emotion or what that feeling is. But, it's, um, um, it's a bit strange because when you think of civilizations... Um, the art usually is part of their identity, usually defines them. Like you think about Soviet Russia or like Germany during World War Two, the Romans, like there's there's always for those sort of I don't know to say empires, but for powerful nations or nations that are run in a strict way, generally there is the use of art uh, and propaganda. Yeah, look, um, I, I guess it's different through the ages, isn't it? Um, how art is used or what it, what it's for and what's left at the end of a civilization. Um, I'm curious, like using that sort of framework, you know, what legacy of art we're leaving with our current society. Lots of dumb TikTok videos, I think. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yep cat videos yeah yeah um yeah i mean well, look i know there's lots, great artists, there's lots of people doing things but i don't know maybe we're in the midst of kind of celebrating the individual rather than i don't know what's representative of our society as as art these days 
that's a pretty hard thing. I mean, because you look at the rena Renaissance and you can sort of say there's a that's a thing, and we can recognise it as of that period. And um, I don't know, but is that a style rather than a um, structure or substance or message or something? Um, well, does it sort of come back to earlier on where he talked about that myth, right? He wanted to spread that myth for the sake of, I guess, unifying his perfect state. Um, he would have almost certainly had to have used art to do that because <laughs> there was nothing solid he could point to. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and he, he was pretty explicit in saying he, he wanted that because it would unify, give mm. him a, you know, a character. So you're saying, uh, Rubes, we need a, a noble lie to uh, unify our uh, current civilization, do we? <laughs> um, I, yes, yeah, but it doesn't have to be a lie. I, I do sure? think a civilization needs something to unify it. And I think, and what you touched on a moment ago about sort of celebrating the individual, I think that is a bit of a problem. There, there really isn't mm. anything unifying us at the moment. Like you wouldn't be able to point to one piece of art and go, oh, that's very indicative of what Western civilization is at the moment. Because for that reason, there isn't really anything that unifies us anymore. And I think you're right. When you look back at other times, there were things like you, you say the Renaissance, it, it's typified by that um, a certain style, but it was all highly religious because they did, they were unified. The, the unifying ideas were basically the Catholic Church. I wonder, maybe um, it's just that this age is too young and that what this age is about is mass globalisation and homogenising culture across the world. I, I, that sounds really bad. I, I don't necessarily mean it in a, in a bad way, but what I mean is, I, I guess, like in a, in a globalized world, if you fast forward our, our society a thousand years, right? Because what you think about some of the ancient Greeks or whatever, they, that's how long some of their, like, how long a society may have lasted, right? Um, and say this is still our society in a thousand years' time, um, globalization is only going to continue to sort of accelerate. So, I wonder if our world will actually be more unified around something or our culture is more similar across all corners of the globe. I think they're I, I hoping think that space travel anyway. might be that. Um, yeah. But I'm not convinced globalization's going to happen. Um, there's a lot of people that don't want that. You know, um, oh, for sure. You know, Trump proved that. So did Johnson. Brexit proved that. There's a whole lot of people that don't want to go global. Oh yeah, there's a lot of there's a real streak of nationalisation um, uh, going on at the moment, but I mean, a thousand years is a long time, right? So uh, oh yeah, I think I think you touched on something there too. I think there almost certainly are people who want that kind of globalisation, and I think they probably want something to unify. And like Tim says, one of those mm -hmm. things might be space travel. Another one 
I think that you see is like uh, the global warming stuff. I, th I, I do think they kind of look of that science of it all aside as potentially a way to unify um, different mm. countries under one, you know, one goal. Yeah, certainly. I think having a, a common goal um, is something that could be could be used to unify people. That's for sure. Hundred mm. percent. Mm. Yeah, but no, it's interesting. I, I think yeah, right now, I don't think there's anything that you'd uh, you'd look at to um, think of art representing our culture. But, um, but yeah, in time, we may see so it. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think they realise they've done themselves a little bit of an oopsie daisy though, because um, mm. they start thinking about bringing back in uh, the poets, um, but only under certain conditions. Um, yeah, I mean they so uh, basically read, throw read, out a backflip, don't they? Yeah, so I'll read this bit out and go from there. So it says, um, and now since we have reverted to the subject of poetry, let this our defence serve to show the reasonableness of our former judgment in sending away out of our state and art, having the tendencies which we have described, for reason constrained us, but that she may be, sorry, but that she may impute to us any harshness or want of politeness. Let us tell her that there is an ancient quarrel between philosophy and poetry, of which there are many proofs, such as the saying of the yelping hound howling at her lord or of one mighty in the vain talk of fools and the mob of sages circumventing Zeus and the subtle thinkers who are beggars after all and there are innumerable other signs of ancient enmity between them notwithstanding this let us assure our sweet friend and the sister arts of imitation that if she will only prove her title to exist in a well-ordered state we shall be delighted to receive her we are very conscious of her charms but we may not on that account betray the truth. I dare say, Glaucon, that you are as much charmed by her as I am, especially when she appears in Homer. Yes, indeed, I am greatly charmed. Shall I propose then that she be allowed to return from exile, but upon this condition only, that she make a defence of herself in lyrical or some other metre? So, yeah. It's a it's a massive backflip right at the end there. Yeah. What do you make of that, Ruben? Um, I I don't know whether it's like a total backflip as such. I think he's just going back to what he said earlier about um, there's going to be certain types of poetry allowed. Um, provided they fit within the, that, that framework of society that we're building. Um, so, oh yeah, I don't, I don't know how they would propose to have those artists um, represent the truth better. I don't know. Mm. I, I would have been interesting to hear him say, well, yeah, you can make art about war, but you had to have gone to war or something like that considering they had an entire class dedicated to war so maybe they could have plucked them from that class yeah no I agree 
Well, I think that's about it from the first half of this ball. Yeah. What do you guys think? We did all right for a first run back. Yeah, yeah. I feel a bit rusty. The um, computer's letting us down big time tonight, for those listening. It's um, looking like a slideshow at times on my screen. Um, I think that might just be a month of the computer not getting updates, and every time I disable things, it starts updating some other piece of software. So it's probably just turning <laughs> up processor power and bandwidth. But, uh, that's the way it goes. But before we go, I reckon we still have to do what we do and uh, head on down to the pub for lots of us. Excellent. So I'll insert our music here. <laughs> uh, Have you got so, a surprise question for us this week? Surprise question. Um, I do. So <laughs> I'm holding up a Lego replica of the International Space Station. Cool. Now, God had the idea of the first space station. <laughs> then people built space stations, and then artists make space stations. What does that make me if I'm assembling a Lego version of a space station? <laughs> Where does that fit? <laughs> I, I think that depends on if you're, uh, you know, uh, aware of the the charms of uh, someone speaking the truth or speaking falsely, Tim. <laughs> I don't well, know. It's false All I know because... is that if I actually wanted to build a real space station, I wouldn't go to you with your knowledge of the Lego one. <laughs> That's probably. I just want to know if the uh, Lego designers have actually been on a space station before they <laughs> built a model of it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I wonder. We need to. We need to find that out. I wonder if someone on the space station has built the space station Lego kit. That would be you'd want to hope so surely in zero g build it in zero g <laughs> yeah. oh, wouldn't that would be the most Lego frustrating exercise yeah it'd be awful oh, yeah yeah <laughs> they it would have to be each piece in its own individual container like old people's medication in those pop <laughs> out things but just like a, a 1000 medication packet click this one next next <laughs> It'd take about uh, 10 rocket launches to get all of the pieces up to you, just from all the packaging required to separate each individual piece. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, now the other thing, I was watching um, Bubba Fett, and there's a spaceship that appears in the most recent episode, which I won't do any spoilers, but it looks slick, looks very hmm. slick. It occurred hmm. to me, if, like, we can... We're releasing satellites in space now. Like Musk is able to throw his rockets up there and drop these satellites up there. He should build a freaking Millennium Falcon or something, because once it's in space, it doesn't matter what shape it is. He should build one, launch it inside his space rocket into orbit, and then it just goes like he all he needs is a moon base or a second space station, and just get it to fly backwards and forwards between the two things. The marketing for that would be insane. And then get it to do like a low orbit pass over Earth and then everyone can go, look, there's an X-Wing. How sick would yeah. that be? <laughs> Sign me up. Mate, my kids would be all over that. Uh, we're um, currently um, drowning in um, Star Wars toys at the minute. So uh, <laughs> ships, action figures, 
all three of my boys just mad for it and it's just uh tiny little guns and weapons all over the carpet <laughs> <laughs> star wars is awesome yeah the, ki- the kids have gotten into it uh, big time kobe's watched all the mandalorian and he's been hanging out for every single episode of boba fett so um Mm. He's just at the right age to, to to enjoy that stuff now, and uh, the young, younger brothers are still watching like the uh, the Lego Star Wars stuff more so. But uh, <laughs> they they get it; they're enjoying it too. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. No, so anyway, that was that was my pub philosopher's conversation. It's uh, about Lego. Nice one. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, let's wrap it up. And uh, we'll be back next week. And next week, I think, will be the conclusion of Chapter 10, which means we would have finished the book. Which That's right. would be remarkable. <laughs> but when I still remember when we set out to do this, we thought it would take 10 weeks. And here we are, 20-something episodes later. <laughs> so. And next week is the immortality of the soul. So, yeah. If you thought this week was heavy, forget about it. Yeah, this week was a lightweight <laughs> compared to next week. It's just the entree. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, for those listening, thanks for rejoining and um, happy new year. And uh, we hope twenty twenty two is better than what twenty twenty one was. Um, mm. But you know, the world's doing its thing, and I think we just got to get used to uh, things being a little bit different to how they used to be and finding the new normal so that's um, I hate that saying the new normal yeah the new normal piece of (laughs) (laughs) I would like to I would like to have the old normal but where we just know that everyone gets a week off once or twice a year with uh, some (laughs) virus rather than a week or two off every year with um, industrial diarrhea (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I think people will be legitimately uh, not spending their sick leave now rather than using mm. it whenever they can to <laughs> go to the cricket or whatever yeah that's true so anyway um, the Republic wasn't built in a day and neither middle aged men and uh, thanks for sticking with us and we hope to have more fun this year and we'll see you guys next time bye see you boys see you later <laughs>